The Smash Daily Podcast, weekdays on 1071 The Big Z, radio for the River Bend. Definitely rocking the show with Stereo. Smash with you right here. As is always, 3 to 5 o'clock, Monday through Friday, 107.1 FM, the Big Z. Well, I'll tell you what. Yesterday, I was kind of sad off, off of yesterday. Yesterday, August 16th, 1977 was the year. Elvis Presley was found dead in, uh, in the bathroom over there at Graceland. Found him on the floor. Prescription pills that caused a heart attack. They said, whatever it was. That was sad, man. That was a sad day. It was sad yesterday. What was that, 77, 87, 97, 2007? 35 years ago? Something like that. Sheesh. Sheesh, sheesh, sheesh. And you know what today is? That was August 16th, 1977. August 17th, 1977 was the day that all the Elvis sightings started popping. I mean, for all these years, there have been sightings of Elvis. And you would have thought that indeed, one who was found on his own bathroom floor would have been laid to rest not only in the grounds there at Graceland, but also in the grounds of what's left of our minds. But with that in mind, there's one man who indeed will stand through the test of time, will stand before you, will stand on this microphone here at Smash Daily and expound upon the actuality that he knows the king is alive. Be he living, there's one man who is assured of it, and that is my longtime friend, Mike Kreitz. He's known from the early days in Washington, D.C. as Sperm Whale. Great spermatic one, welcome to Smash Daily here today. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. Okay. (laughs) So, hey, tell me about what you were telling me yesterday, and I said, wait a minute. Great spermatic one, you have to come tell this on the air, because today, 1977 onward, is the first day of people saying, well, I saw Elvis. Well, Elvis was doing this. Well, Elvis uh, is living incognito. Well, Elvis doesn't want to be bothered, so he faked his own death and all this kind of stuff. What is the reality that comes from you, sir? I have proof, 100% proof that cannot be denied that the king, Elvis, was alive four years after his death. Bottom line, he is. He was. Do you think he's passed? To this point, 35 years later? No, 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 I don't. Because right now there is documentation on YouTube about a gentleman down south somewhere who is a priest, a minister, who does an Elvis show 
Uh, and then, I mean, he has thousands of people that show up every Sunday for his ministry mm-hmm. uh, because he is Elvis. Because the preacher is Elvis. Because the preacher is Elvis, yes. And they think- They've already done voice analyzation where yeah. they take a picture yeah. of this guy, current guy, and they have a picture of Elvis. Yeah. And they put the dots all over it and they match it up and everything like that. And it's Elvis's, it's Elvis's face. You know, you, you posted on Facebook a picture of Elvis, young Elvis, and some dude with a white beard, and I'm thinking, that, that looks like me, but it wasn't me. Is this the dude you're talking about? Yes, yes, yes. Really? And there's a, a lot of videos about uh-huh. that. There's a lot of videos, and they show the actual, they show the actual facial recognition is what it's called. Yeah. And it matches facial up. Facial recognition, right. All right, so let me, let me just say this, and I, you know I love you, so I got no problem with you. Uh, fomenting about this, but uh, there's going to be others who are saying, ah, Spermwell, he's just out of his mind. He's, uh, you know, lived in old age, and now all of a sudden his memory's just totally gone crazy, and so now he thinks that Elvis is alive. He thinks he sees Elvis, thinks that he's following Elvis uh, from the pulpit. What do you say to those kind of folks? Because you know I'm in. Oh, easy answer. All right. I break out my CDs that I have. I I have about 30 copies made. Decades ago, I was in Graceland. I went to Graceland for the tour, Uh and I met a gentleman who has what's called the Elvis is Alive Museum. And at that time, he gave me, he would not sell it to me, he gave me a cassette. Hmm. And this cassette contained four documented, four recorded phone calls of Elvis talking to somebody on the phone, Hmm. and the conversation is all about why he did it, when he did it, when he started planning his fake death and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And it actually came with a letter of authentication from either the Dallas or Houston police department who I called. I called the police department, the voice analyzation department, and they said, yes, that is Elvis talking on the phone. We just can't tell you when. But the topic of conversation tells you it's post Elvis's death. Well, you know, I'm in, like I said, man, and, and I float with you because you are my man. We've been friends since, what, 82 or something like that. When I first uh, started up at DC 101, you were at the Thirsty Whale around the corner where everybody used to go immediately afterwards and not only enjoy the records you would spin on your DJ system, but also your bartender work, everything you did over there. Now, you got me, but you're going to have people out there that are saying, okay, you got a cassette. Okay, you got some CDs. So do I. All right? So do I. I went to an Elvis convention, and I got a bunch of guys who talk like Elvis. And so I got a CD. I got a cassette like that, too. What do you say to people like that, man? Well, you know what? If they've got a letter from a, a certified voice analyzation department uh, from a police department, and that's what they do for a living, yeah. and they 100% will tell you yes or no. They will say, yes, that is Elvis's voice on there, or no, that is not Elvis's voice on there. Mm-hmm. And when I called the police department, they said, yes, that is Elvis talking on that recorder you have, that recorded phone message you have. Mm-hmm. We just can't tell you when. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, you're either going to believe or you're not going to believe. And there are just some people that flat out, no matter if Elvis sat up and walked down right in front of them, yeah and started singing Suspicious Minds, mm-hmm. they're still not going to believe it's Elvis. I mean, and, and if you're looking directly at him, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. no matter what, what you do sometimes, there's just non-believers. Yeah. You know, but, I went through my, I went through my, my delusional days okay. of alcohol and other okay. bad substances, but this is not those are long behind based. me now, long behind me. It's not alcohol-based, you're not uh, inebriated, you ain't been chewing on some gummies or nothing like that. No. <laughs> No, no gummies or anything like that. I, I have now. I just did a wedding. I just DJed a wedding this last Saturday, right. and there? the bride was a huge Elvis fan. Okay. Huge Elvis fan. Yeah. And I told her I had a special gift for her, uh-huh. and I brought this CD that I actually had taken to a sound company and tried to have them take out a lot of the background noise yeah. and all that, so the voices clear. Yeah. And when you hear Elvis talking about why he did what he did, mm-hmm. because you got to remember at the end of his tour, yeah. I mean, Elvis was obese. He, he was, he was uh, addicted to pills. Yeah. He was dying and he just decided that he wanted to live. He didn't want to die. And he knew right. if he continued to be Elvis, yeah. he was going to die. Mm-hmm. Well, then who was 
the dead dude at the foot of the toilet, uh, at the toilet. In the well, you've got to remember who found Elvis. All right, who? And you got to remember, you know, you've got to remember all of the, all of the, the, the there's no pictures. All right. There's no, there's no proof. Yeah. Like uh, Graceland, if you go to Graceland, yeah. uh, not many people know this. There's no body at Graceland, and they will t- the Memphis the Memphis Mafia that was yeah. Elvis's bodyguards and all that. And nobody they in the will tomb? tell you that there was a, a million dollar reward at one time for yeah. anybody that could go to Graceland and steal Elvis's body and bring it to him. Huh. So they claim the body is somewhere else. Huh. And you know what this guy told me? What? There's no body in the grave because there's no body because they knew that if the if a court system if somebody had pushed a yeah. Right. A, a situation, the body could be exhumed. Exactly right. And That's a good if, point. Well, they have to exhume the body, and they do a DNA test on it, yeah. and like that. Right. Guess what they're going to say? Mm-hmm. Oh, this isn't Elvis in the grave. Exactly. If, if you if you listen to the recording, yeah. he started planning all this back when he did the Hawaii tour. Really? Huh. Yeah. He, all he, right. He, Can I fire one off at you, Dad? Oh God, here Let's we go. See. Go no, ahead. Because this is what people want to say. All right, you are the great spermatic one, sperm whale. Friend of Smash, just friend of many. All right, let me hear a little piece of that uh, cassette tape, man. Oh, geez, hold on. I didn't plan on this. Oh, really? You got it. Hold on. Well, I have yeah. it downloaded on my computer yeah, but on you my Windows your, Media Player. You can play it on your cassette uh, machine or whatever you got going over there, right? Hold on. Oh, this will be good. I, I, I apologize, big guy. Smash Daily exclusive right here. Who else does this for you? Nobody but your daddy. What's my name? <laughs> smash, smash, digging the smash. How you doing? Now, the great spermatic one, Spermwell himself, will play this cassette from what, what would you say this was, four years after Elvis uh, presumably died? The phone call is uh-huh. four years after Elvis died. Okay. And I went to a company and had them do the best they could to clean it up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's real staticky. That's all right. Okay, hold on. I got it right here. Elvis is alive. Track one. Okay, I'm going to turn this up. Go. This is Bill Beanie of the Elvis is Alive Museum in Wright City, Missouri. (laughs) We have on this tape a phone conversation of Elvis Presley, which he made in 1981. Actually, voice print experts believe this is about four conversations which have been grouped together. This is not a monologue, but the person on the other end of the conversation purposely had their voice edited out. Now, since this original conversation was done on an inexpensive voice machine, the quality is not what it should be. Nevertheless, you can clearly hear the voice of Elvis Presley in which he tells first why he had to fake his death, I'm going to fast forward it. Hold on. What he has oh. been doing. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you. Like, is that you in your real voice talking? Or who is it? The what? Is that you in your real voice talking right there? Or is that somebody else? No, that's the guy in the recording. Hold on. Oh. I'm going to fast forward to Elvis is talking. I've been to Elvis's Alive Museum a million times in Wright City. All right, All right here we go. Let's hear it. That's Elvis. Elvis. I hear him. Elvis. I'm going to do is I'm going to make a copy of this and I'm going to mail it to you the entire conversation and maybe with your equipment you can even clean it up a little more where you can take out some of that statical background Mm -hmm. okay statical all right so so let me just say this and I don't say this in the wrong way because I'll try and play devil's advocate here and I'm not a devil's advocate because I believe that that is Elvis because you told me you believe it's Elvis so I believe but somebody would say, well, wait a minute, that sounds like one of these tugboat captains on one of these tugboats in the middle of the mighty Mississippi River over here, man. What do you say to that? Well, you know, I, I can only say one thing, and that is 
I at least did some background checking, and I, I did some investigation. I became the investigative sperm whale, and mm-hmm. that's why I spent uh, the time I did calling um, the, the police department's voice analyzation department. Yeah. This is yeah. the actual uh, voice they heard. This, is mm-hmm. the, 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 this uh, recorded voice is the voice they said is Elvis. They just don't know when it was made. Yeah. But I, you and I have a mutual buddy named Mike Nardella. I love him. And... Uh, Mike Nardella is such a Elvis fan, yes, he, he actually named his two daughters after Elvis. Mm-hmm. And when I had this on cassette, I took it out to his house. And I sat down with Mike, who is a... Wait, 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 wait. You know, You're not going to tell us what the names of his daughters are? One is Presley, and oh. I think the other one's Priscilla. Makes sense. All right, continue, please, sir. And I let him listen to this cassette. Okay. And you know Mike Nardella. Your listening audience doesn't, but Mike is a no BS guy. Yep. He is a straight up, um, he's a magnum cum laude mm-hmm. graduate, he's a, he's a genius, mm-hmm. and he looked right at me, and he will tell you yeah. if you're full of you-know-what, yeah. and he looked right at me and said, yep, and he goes, that's Elvis on there. Wow. If anybody would know it would be Nards, man. Yeah. yeah, I mean, because he grew up with Elvis, and he yeah. grew up, you know, and, and he has passion and love, and he's not going to, he's not going to call it BS unless it's BS. Yeah, wow. Are you going to send me... A CD so I can clean up the uh, the background noise and put the anti-hiss devices on it and all that stuff, right? Yes, sir. I'm going to burn a copy of it for yeah. you. Just text me or whatever address you want me to mail it to, yeah. and it will be in the mail tomorrow. Okay. Okay. Wow. That's uh, based on what I heard. It's kind of like, holy mackerel. And you know what? I, I've been I've been to the uh, Elvis's Alive Museum out there in Wright City many, many, many times. I've done gigs. I've done live broadcasts. From there, I did not know that. That yeah. is cool. Fantastic place, man. We would go up there and do morning bro- broadcasts with the morning shows and everything. And you tell me you got it from there. When were you there? And I didn't know about it. That's my question. Oh, this was. You, do you remember when I took off and I disappeared for a long time when I was traveling around America for like 22 years? Oh, yeah. And I thought that was a memory problem. But yes, continue, please, sir. And I decided to go to Graceland. And I was in a bar, I, and I met that guy oh. who, the, the guy who owns the museum, and he I took remember. me over to the museum, That's right. and he goes, I have a gift for you. I want to give you something. Uh-huh. And uh, he gave me the cassette, which I still have. I still have the cassette in the box. Yeah, yeah, I, still yeah. have it, I still have it somewhere. i got to yeah. find it. Um, and he said, I'm not charging you for it because I don't want people to think I'm making money off of it. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. And he gave it to me for free with no charge. All right. Well, let me ask you one last question here. Give me your best Elvis impersonation. <laughs> okay, let me think about this for a second. Thank you. Thank you very much. Elvis has left the building. Elvis has left the building. Right. That's, that's more Colonel Tom Parker, but nevertheless, nice try. So I know it's not you on that cassette. All right. Now I, I know that that is probably the voice of the king himself. I appreciate you jumping on the air airwaves here because this is the anniversary of the start of the Elvis is Alive campaign that has gone 35-plus years since his death on the 16th of August in 1977. That's my friend, Mike Kreitz, affectionately known as the great spermatic one, sperm whale. (laughs) That's what you're known as, my man. You My man, sperm whale. What up, whale? But we call him whale for short. We We call we call him whale for short because it's of that hashtag Me Too generation. We don't need no troubles, right, whale? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, right, all right. I'm going to catch you. After I get this, I'm going to study. I'm going to pull the hiss out of the background, and then I'll have you back on for more interrogation. Is that okay? Because you kicked off the Elvis is Alive portion of Smash Daily for the next who knows how many years. Well, what I'm going to also do is I'm going to call the Houston and Dallas Police Department, and I'm going to find out if anybody at either location remembers this and see if there's anybody still around who can confirm it. All right. All right. Thank you, buddy. You're welcome, my man. All right. Talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Ah, the mind is a terrible thing to baste. But that is my man, Spermwell. I love him. If indeed I could be someone other than I myself, it would be he. But not uh, not of the present day, of, of the old days. I mean, my man, way ahead. Oh. Uh, so anyway, there you go. It has begun. Elvis is alive. Here, 35 years after he died at the age of what, 45? 45, 
55, 65, 75, that would have made Elvis 80-something. So, yeah, he could still be alive. If anyone will indeed direct us to where he is, it'll be the great spermatic one right there. My man, Mike Kreitz. Smash Daily it is. We're going to get on something that is a little more fun topic, and that is the U.S. leaving Afghanistan. And that'll be with our, our friend, the professor, and that is Mark Kaysen, wonderful young man who at one time was an Elvis impersonator himself. Next here on Smash Daily. Professor Mark Kaysen, wonderful young man. He leans to the left. That don't make him bad people. Do you say power to the people or power to the people? You know, I, I haven't said that in in decades. <laughs> that's but that's, that's okay. <laughs> that is okay. Yeah, uh, that's fine. a good point. I don't even know if people say that anymore. Uh, they, well, they probably don't. Yeah, they exactly. probably they they probably. Are, are are far too practical for that. Mm. They just go. They just go to the St. Louis Suit Company in oh, Clayton yes. and get themselves that they do a a, a gorgeous Dressed. white linen suit. Ooh, man, that'd be nice to have. Yep. Golly, would you have that in St. Louis though, or would that merely be L.A. or, or Miami? I don't know. I'm thinking of getting one. We'll see. You couldn't wear that. Well, you could with the pants rolled up as you you know trek across the banks of the mighty Mississippi. <laughs> So yeah, it, it, when it's when it's ice, stop. Yeah, I'm just thinking one of the mud dauber catfish come up, splash you or something, man, and mess up your suit. But yeah, uh, I'm sure they have ice. You can just walk yeah. across it. Yes, that's how they get to the other side to the uh, blight <laughs> that is uh, East St. Louis. There, don't get me started. Okay, now let me just ask you. You have always told me, smash. Just bring it on. Don't matter to me. I, I fear. That's no, it. Bring that's it the way on. it's always been. All right, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna play. Three uh, three or four clips here, depending on the time that uh, we got. Those three or four okay. clips uh, will deal with... I was uh, just going around last night, and Hannity was busting out on Biden like nobody's business. I'm going to play one or two or three of them for you. They go about 30 to 60 seconds each one. And then let's discuss on the backside, see what your take on this whole deal will be. And this was shortly after... Yesterday, shortly after the uh, Biden speech. Here we go. I am president of the United States of America, and the buck stops with me. But I blame everybody else on everything. To recap, Biden blamed the Afghan people, the Afghan military, the Afghan president, the Afghan government, and President Trump when all else fails because laughably claiming that the buck stops with him. I am president of the United States of America, and the buck stops with me. Pretty spineless and pretty cowardly. What do you say to that, Professor? I mean, that was pretty heavy on uh, Hannity's part, but the president is just trying to do something I think all the presidents would have had to do eventually pull out of Afghanistan. And how do you pull out in the right way? I don't think there is a right way, is there? And I'm being nice. You know, I don't lean that way. Well, I think there is a right way. And I, right, what I, is it? I, look, I don't agree with Hannity, but, 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 and I, I definitely don't believe that when he said, the buck stops with me. Mm. He was trying to, to make the, the, the Harry Truman point mm -hmm. that ultimately he is responsible for all of it. Yeah. And no matter what the, the Afghan people did, and, and listen, we know that the Afghan army ran away. I mean, they did. They did. You know, that's all. Now, can you blame them? I no. don't know. I don't know if you can. I, but when he says, when Biden says there's 300,000 in the Afghan army, they also have airplanes. And right. it's kind of like, okay, and there's only 75 Taliban, he said. And it's kind of like, would you not think that these guys 
could take care of the Taliban, put that to rest in a way that there could be a transition of governmental power, governmental influences to go ahead and the U.S. leave this 20-year debacle and go ahead and at least say, hey, Afghani people, we've shown you, we've done for you, you're on your own, take care, we will be a great ally if you need us, if indeed you do take care. Okay, but based on what everyone was saying, and I'm talking about the CIA, I'm talking about the news people, I'm talking about the generals, really, Joe Biden should have put 10,000 troops in there just to make sure that they could get everybody out safely. And they're doing that now anyway. Well, they're sending back 6,000, man. It's kind of preposterous, isn't it? But you got to get your people out. Yeah, they're going to be up to 10 or 20,000 probably. Yeah. They could because they need to make sure that they get those people out. Mm-hmm. But but see, they, they really screwed it up because all those interpreters and all those people who helped us right. out, That's we right. promised them yeah. that we wouldn't leave them behind. Mm-hmm. Well, now we're leaving them behind. Terrible, terrible, terrible. But in a way, what can we do to help them? What can we do? We can't well, we gather all the, of them. We could have put the troops in there. Yep. And if the troops did nothing but process their visas. Yes, yes, yes. That would have helped. Good point. Good point. All right. So it is what it is today. It is what it is. And everybody's, you know, going nuts. And I tell you what was wild, wild to me. And I thought, you know, they got to the liberal press. They got to not condone this, at least not in a totality. And this is what they were saying. This comes off of Hannity last night, too. And when I saw this, I thought, well, this is going to encapsulate what I wanted to talk with the professor about. Anyhow, I'm not leaning on Hannity for anything other than he was one of the guys I watched last night. But here's what the liberal press is saying about uh, the way Biden handled this, this whole deal. Let's be honest. This speech would not have happened today if not for the immense blowback from pretty much anyone with half a brain. Even Joe's protectors and the media mob could not ignore the full disaster that this is. Take a look. How does the Biden administration miscalculate this intelligence so gravely? This is a fiasco. This is, uh, you know, a big part of life is execution or implementation. And this is just malpractice. This has just been a, a fiasco by any and every measure. This is not just about the overall idea of leaving Afghanistan. This is about leaving hastily and ineptly. Secretary Blinken, how did President Biden get this so wrong? But Joe Biden is going to be the face of the failure of the withdrawal. Friends and foes alike are calling this withdrawal a fiasco, a debacle. And it is one that apparently the administration did not fully appreciate or see coming. See, I'm saying they see what's coming. They know what it is. But you got to make a decision what you're going to do. You got to get out. But maybe, yeah, I think you're right. They should have left a whole lot more troops there to make sure everybody's out. And then you take the troops out. You know, and if that would have done it. That would have done it. If you shoot at our troops, we're coming back with more troops. And you don't want us coming back. We know that. So here's our treaty. We're out of here. You do whatever you're going to do with your government. But hey, you 300 soldiers who we helped indoctrinate as to how to be a soldier, how to be a leader and or take leadership and they flee the other direction. Well, they know how ruthless the Taliban can be because these guys chop off people's heads. These guys kill people and put them in mass graves. They put them in mass graves even while they're alive. And that may not be a reason to fight. It might be a better reason to get my ass out of there in the dark of the night as fast as I can, says that soldier of, a, of an Afghani nature when he just, but here's the deal. You can't leave because if they don't get you, they're going to get your your wife, your family, whatever the case may be. Your family's involved. So everybody's kind of stuck in that particular way. But, man, to hear the liberal press go off on him like that, it was kind of like, okay, okay, but here's what I think. They have to. Well, they they did have to. Yes, they did. You want to be honest. If If they didn't talk of the unfortunate situation that this all came together and landed, then they're going to be looked upon, especially with everything that the right is trying to throw at them. How They don't, uh, shall we say, you know, you don't hear about the Hunter Biden briefcase and his CDs and all this kind of stuff. And so if they would not have touched this, then all of a sudden you're going to have a backlash from the American people. It's going to say, hey, wait a minute, we made a mistake. We're changing it up. 
come this next voting cycle. Well, listen, you have conservative people out here. I'm talking about legislators Mm -hmm. who are saying that the the January 6th event was like tourists and everybody was just showing love. So so obviously people are are very capable of lying. But 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 on the left, they have come forward and said, look, we see Afghanis falling off of airplanes yeah, right. on the way out of this place. Yep. This is a catastrophe. And, and and they're coming after Joe Biden, and they're not doing what the right did, which is making up lies. I mean, Donald Trump could see those people falling off the planes if it was him, and he'd say, hey, they must have just fell out the window. Uh, you know, I mean, stupid stuff. But the, the people on the left are being honest. This was done improperly. The people on the left are covering their asses, these press people, because if they didn't apply themselves, what we just heard just then, if they didn't apply themselves in a thus fashion, then they'd have been eaten up by the right press and also been eaten up by the general public because you need to respond to the atrocity that this was and that this is. And they're trying to do something uh, right to fix it up, but uh, it can't be fixed up. It's going to be no, same thing. No, it can't be fixed. It can't be fixed. It's going to be the same thing that, uh, you know, they're, they're saying, well, the January 6th was this. And, no, it can't be fixed. They're saying that the no, summer, no, but, the summer but, of 2020, but, but it can't think, be fixed. Don't you think there's a difference in one side? They, 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 you're, you're looking at the, at the event. You know what happened, and they're lying to you about it. And on the other side, you're looking at the event, and they're saying, look, it was terrible. Yeah. Well, you look at the event and see that they're lying to you, and you can look at the event and see that it's terrible because they're lying to you. Because they all lie to you on that level. I was saying a little bit earlier, I know a lot of guys on the local level, on the regional level, who are politicians, they're good people. I know what it is when they get in that beltway, in the middle of that beltway, where the nation's capital is, where the quote-unquote swamp is, they become something different. And in becoming that something different, they become somebody that they were not prior to their arrival there. And that increase, that bolster of power, turns them into a whole different kind of politician than they are on the uh, on the local level. And, you know, I guess uh, that's what you strive for and that's what you try to get to. Here, here's a forewarning, all this whole, talking with the professor here, a very astute fellow, and by the way, is this your second day in the classroom? It, it is. Ah, I'll get to that in a moment. Let's close this up with with Obama warning, warning folks about Biden. Here it is. In his book, Obama's Secretary of Defense, Robert Gates wrote that Biden had been wrong on nearly every single major foreign policy and national security issue over the past four decades. Remember, he didn't want to take out bin Laden. And according to Politico, Biden's former boss, President Obama, even expressed a similar level of concern, telling a fellow Democrat, quote, don't underestimate Joe's ability to bleep things up. This is the difference, by the way, between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. For all the snowflakes out there that got so, oh, they got the vapors every time Donald Trump set out a mean tweet and everything. Well, they feared Trump. The world feared Trump. When Donald Trump gave a threat, they believed him. Biden, they know, is weak and not running the show. The world sees it. They're not influenced by America's media mob and propaganda outlets. America and the world deserves better. The world needs a strong America. Sadly, under our Biden, I fear this is only the beginning and it's only going to get worse. Only going to get worse, he says. But here's what the deal is. Both sides, they try to strike up fear so they can manipulate you. And so one was the fear of, uh, quote unquote, the rednecks who have uh, attacked the Capitol. The other was the fear of the... The urbanites and the young white uh, uh, radicals who have burned the cities down in the summer of 2020. And now it's Biden doing the wrong thing in uh, getting us out of Afghanistan. And others would argue, well, I'm glad to get out. I'm sorry to see it going this way, but boy, am I glad to get out. And if we have to deal with the Taliban because they are the leadership of this country down the line, that's who we'll deal with unknowingly. We're going to have to deal with the Pakistanis heavier, too. We're going to have to deal with the Iranians heavier, too, because now you have an alliance, an alliance, come on, Ash, you have an alliance in that particular part of the country, which is going to be so strong 
be a formidable opponent if indeed we had to get opponentized. Yeah. Well, first of all, Hannity misrepresented everything, so it's hard to even for me to even respond to that. But 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 I I, I certainly agree that we all saw the results of what Joe Biden did there, and it was not good. And that doesn't mean that the whole world thinks that Joe Biden is horrible and weak, because that isn't what they think. There are polls after polls from all over the world where they respect Joe Biden, and here he made a mistake. He did. Yep, yep. Same thing with Trump. And it goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Let me stop and ask you, Matt, how you feel going back to, to school as the professor? Well, I love it. Yeah. I really do. It, it, it's, it's very nice. Uh, the, the, the only thing is that the young people, and, and I think we talked about this for a minute the other day, but the young people need to pull those masks up over their, their face, over uh, their noses. I mean, they, 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 sometimes they just let it slide. Yeah. And, 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 and we talked about it today. The kids and I, we talked about it a lot. And, and they agreed that they need to do that because the numbers are going sky high. And they, they don't want to hurt anybody, and they don't want to hurt themselves. Right. As far as the teaching of these young folks, how's your angle going in in the early part of the school year now? Well, I do the same thing I do every year, and, uh-huh. and, and the, the young people are great. My, yeah. I've always had good people in my classes. I love my classes. Mm-hmm. Are you one of these teachers who goes in and tries to be, uh, you know, of the student's mindset, and I'm your friend, and uh, listen, you know, you got a problem, you know, talk to me. I'm, I'm a, a great friend along with being a teacher. Yeah, I'm an adult. I'm your supervisor. I'm uh, the one in charge here. But, boy, I sure do want to be your friend, too. Are you one of these kind of guys? Uh, I mean, I don't push that angle. Yeah. I, 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 I definitely help the students. Good. I mean, you know, in other words, when you, when you talk about, like, if you're in college, you have office hours. Mm-hmm. Well, that's normal. But, yeah. you know, when you talk about high school – I tell them, which, of course, this is all new, Mm -hmm. but I tell them, look, I'm on Zoom at 6 o'clock in the evening. Mm -hmm. If you need some help, flip on Zoom. They've got my link, and you get some help. That's good. That's good. Let me ask you this. uh, Next spring, if at, uh, well, if in your job as a chaperone at the senior prom, will you dance with the girls who ask you to dance? You're funny. I'm not... (laughs) I'm not to serve with love. No, I'm not. Oh, you're not. All right. Thank you, Mr. Poitier. That <laughs> <laughs> is a professor. A wonderful if that's what you're there. trying to find out, that's the answer. <laughs> I'm not. All right. I'm not Lulu. So uh, nice to uh, talk with you again. We'll catch up with you sometime down the line. That's a good man. Leans to the left. That don't make him bad people. The professor, Mark Kaysen, with appreciation, sir. That's where you say thanks, Master. You know, I'm glad to be on your <laughs> Goodbye, Smash. We love you. Love you. Because I am where you's at. On 1071 The Big Z. Radio for the Riverbend. Hey, it's about five minutes in front of five o'clock. Smash with you right here. I don't know what happened. My voice went hoarse on me. Hey, but that don't mean we can't have a good time. Smash daily as is always. Monday through Friday, three to five o'clock right here on 107.1 FM. The Big Z. WBGZ. What a wild time. Well, it's every day seems to be a wild time in American history. The history that will be today later, the history that will be is a day ago, and a history that will be what's called the future, a day forth. Wild, wild time in the world. And in that wild time, we got to be, we got to be careful. Part of this old wild time reminds me of, of Woodstock and that era. On this date in 1969, Woodstock was going on. Out there in uh, Yasger's farm, upstate New York. This was the third and final day of Woodstock. Joe Cocker was playing. Phew, what a great performance. Crosby Stills, Nash Young. Phew, what a great performance. Blood, sweat, and tears. And in fact, you're going to hear a big portion of that Woodstock album 
this coming Saturday, and that happens to be 5 p.m., 5 to 7 o'clock, on the Vinyl Vault. Lolo's got you covered right there. So in case you miss Woodstock, well, it's available to you sound-wise, audio-wise, music-wise. And, man, all of them are great, but, boy, I, I would just listen for the Joe Cocker part myself. Blood, sweat, and tears, too, daggone. All of it, anyway. On this third day of Woodstock, this was being played by Country Joe McDonald, Country Joe and, and the Fish. This was being played by Country Joe McDonald, and the crazy part about it is you can substitute whenever he says Vietnam, because that's the war they were dealing with back then. We were dealing with. You can substitute, whenever he says Vietnam, substitute Afghanistan. And the song rings true to the day. I'm going to head on out in a moment. I just leave by playing that song. And it uh, starts out with a magnificent chant, one of the greatest chants of all time. If by chance I missed a bleep on any part of the chants, apologize. Now is what my mom would tell me. But I'll wait to find out whether I do miss any bleeps first. Give me an F! Give me a U! Give me a C! Give me a F! What's that spell? What's that spell? What's that spell? What's that spell? Well, come on, all you big strong men. Uncle Sam, need your help again. Got himself in a terrible jam. Way down yonder in Vietnam. Put down your books and pick up a gun. We're gonna have a whole lot of fun. And it's one, two, three. What are we fighting for? Don't ask me, I don't give a damn. The next stop is Vietnam. And it's five, six, seven. Whoa, we're not the gates. Well, I ain't no time to wonder why. Woo-hoo, we're all gonna die. Now come on, Wall Street, don't be slow. I'm for a go-go, there's plenty good money to be made. Swine the army with the tools of the trade. Just don't afraid to drop the bomb, drop an RPA car. And it's one, two, three. Well, that is it. You've been digging the smash. Smash daily style. For as long as you was able to tune in today. Performance time, Monday through Friday, right here on WBGZ 107.1 FM. The Big Z. So until the next time, I am G-O-H-N gone. So gone, I was not even here. So have yourself a good one, no matter what that one happens to be. Smash, 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 sm
Smash, smash, I'm digging the smash, smash.